Okay. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday night edition of Sports Conversation on the Fight Network. I'm Don Henderson, and of course, our normal crew right in line. Roy Cummings will be up there first, along with Roger Henler. Our executive producer, as always, is Frank Carroll. 
And, Frank, I know before we start the show, you got a comment or two that you'd like to make before we jump into the sports scene. Go to it. Yes. On, um, tonight's program is dedicated to three people, well, three groups of people. One is a guy who was um, – he's a member of the Boxing Hall of Fame for Florida. He's an um, international – uh, I'm sorry, announcer for boxing, a very close friend of ours who's been very uh, – very bad shape at uh, Tampa General Hospital, and that's uh, Bob Alexander. So we'd like to ask our, our listeners if they keep Bob in it, their thoughts and prayers. Uh, he's a great guy, a good man. Uh, he's just having a very serious problem right now, and uh, so we just pray for his health. The other two are, sadly, again, we're opening the show with a dedication to uh, Brain Lane, a uh, young uh, eight-and-a-half-month uh, officer, a deputy from uh, Fulton County, who was gunned down uh, last week. Uh, unfortunately, it was friendly fire, um, but uh, he was laid to rest yesterday. And then this morning, uh, three uh, Philadelphia SWAT officers were going out to serve a warrant, just to serve a warrant. And as they approached the house, the, the person opened fire, hitting all three Um he uh, was also um, shot himself. Was shot by the, uh, uh, the rest of the team that came in from behind. But uh, the three guys up in Philly um, were all good guys, all very good family men, uh, and very good Christian people. So uh, for all these guys, uh, we we just uh, ask everybody to keep a good thought. Hey, no question about no question about that, Frank. And so we jump first of all. Let's get down to Tampa, to, uh, Tampa, Florida. Of course, Roy Cummings always stationed there, and normally we start off with uh, the National Football League and the and the Bucks. But uh, Roy, we're going to start a little different direction because Ira Coffin's going to be all with us the second half hour. And so let's start first of all for those people that are not aware: the Philadelphia Phillies, who were scheduled to start at four, started three and a half hours late down there in Atlanta. Roger will talk more about that. He's there. Uh, but the uh, surprising Philadelphia Phillies, who knocked off the Cardinals in two, and then, of course, took the Braves last uh, last yesterday afternoon. Uh, so, Roy, let's talk a little baseball first at the top of the show. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, the Phillies are uh, quite a, a surprise, really. And to me, uh, you know, I think maybe to everybody, certainly in Philadelphia, a great, a real pleasant surprise. Um, taking down the Mets, uh, no easy task, obviously. And uh, holding on for uh, a game one victory uh, against Atlanta, it's um, quite uh, you know quite the story right now. I, I'd say it's the top story in sports right now. Philadelphia is suddenly the hotbed. Uh, they've got all the winners, but um, right now Philadelphia is hot. You know, obviously uh, teams playing well. Uh, clearly, they're, they're, they've changed some things up. Obviously, with Zach Eflin uh, closing out games for them. Uh, they're getting some great contributions from some of the young players like Alec Baum. Um, certainly, you know, Kyle Schwarber's doing his part. And uh, Rogers' favorite player, JT Real Muto, uh, really kind of led the, uh, the charge there <laughs> down the stretch. And uh, can't deny it, guys, can't deny it. JT Real Muto has really been a, uh, a, ple- a pleasant surprise here in the second half after struggling through a good chunk of the first half. But, um they're a good-looking team right now, and if they can get some pitching out of the uh, the starting staff uh, as they get a little bit deeper into it, we'll uh, 
they got a chance to go 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 away here, guys. Well, Roger, well, two I'll... things. Ronaldo that uh, was the one that got the base hit in the ninth inning. It got it started when they were down two nothing to the Cardinals and led the way for them to win six three and then go on to win game two. They got away yesterday with uh, not one of their top two pitchers. They've got Wheeler pitching tonight, who is their top pitcher, and they're in the bottom of the first inning. So, uh, Roger, uh, some of your assessments uh, about how the Phils are going right now. Well, I I agree, and I I'll admit I uh, eat crow. Okay, about uh, Riamuto. At the time, uh, there was a, a consensus by many that. Uh, uh, he was uh, – they never should have given him the long-term contract. That's a whole other subject. But I, I did want to bring up a couple of things because uh, I was on Philadelphia Radio today, and they, I think John Schmaltz has been very fair from what I heard. Uh, he brought up what it was like. Don, you were there. Uh, I think I was there, 93, right? And, yes. uh, the And he said he never, ever has been in a stadium – I guess he said this. You may have heard it last night uh, that uh, the, the, the place was rocking. So uh, it's going to be like that uh, on Friday and Saturday. Uh, the the uh, Roy, I think you'll be impressed by these numbers in a sense. Uh, you could get a ticket yesterday uh, to go to the Braves Phillies, and I guess today too. But uh, for I've heard two, two two prices, but they'll shock you. $13 yesterday morning, and last night they said it was only $8. To get standing room only Thursday and Friday at Citizens Bank Park is $135 right now. And uh, wow. totally, sold, totally sold out. And that's what John was saying, that uh, it is going to be rocking. And what I think this – and, Frank, see if you agree with, uh, with uh, me. I think Don will. This may be the uh, comparable to the Bert Hooten night against the Dodgers when he totally became unglued uh, by the uh, fans' reaction at the vet. Do you guys agree with me on that? Uh, I remember. I remember. I remember that situation 100. Uh, percent I do uh, too. Yeah. The, the knuckle, the knuckle curveball just didn't knuckle. But Frank will let you get your comments in. A lifelong Philadelphia resident, and uh, now of course spent down here for such a long period of time. But you know the reaction of fans and everybody in Philadelphia. Your thoughts? Well, I think it was a, that was probably the best series I've ever gone to, especially when you, you remember the uh, the night that we had the rain and uh, uh, right what's his name Carlson slipped off the mound, uh, but still won the game. Uh, uh, well uh, oh, hold on a minute, Frank. Yeah, whatever, you, you're not on the phone or something because you're you're, break, you're breaking up here. And, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, there we go. I remember that. There you go. Uh, because uh, uh, even that whole series was just the, the best series I have ever seen in my life. Um, you know, you take. Uh, Take the, the first night where they really had a battle uh, to get the uh, get the win. The second night you got rain so bad that uh, uh, Carlton slips off the mound uh, during a pitch and still gets the win. And then you got the Tugger tying it, bringing it out of uh, out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and it just uh, uh, I have never seen or heard um, a crowd like uh, like that crowd. 
As a matter of fact, if you remember, um, everybody from every mounted police officer in the city of Philadelphia, you know, Delaware County and Montgomery County was stationed around the field, the infield. Uh, yeah, the and the horses, and the horses. Yeah. And the horse right. mounted, mounted police. Right. Right. <laughs> in addition to that, there were was, was 300 guys uh, that were in the crowd, um, both plainclothes and uniformed officers, uh, just because they knew they, were, they needed to the control. They needed to have the control. But you know what? That's when the Philadelphia fans showed their the colors. They came out of there. Yes, they were yelling. Yes, they were having a great time. But no, there was no fights. No, there was no problems. And even getting out of the parking lot was easy. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, of course, uh, oh, you know, I, no, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole weekend, we're going to talk football afterwards, but uh, the whole weekend, just think what it's going to be like Sunday night with the uh, those Cowboys coming into uh, – <laughs> Uh, Lincoln Financial Field. It, it's it's going to be some weekend, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah there's no yeah. question about that. And one thing, uh, get back to Roy for a second, when you talk about it, I, I know in my, my broadcasting career, there were only a few places that I'd go back and look at and say, and, of course, one, obviously, is, is uh, Philadelphia right straight through from the old days at Shy Park right on through the 1950 Phillies where I really started out. And... Uh, then you went through into the other playoffs all the way up until the until what we're going to get this weekend. But Roy, you were in a city too, boy. When when you went to Chicago, uh, I still think that uh, the old Chicago building was the loudest building, uh, whether it was hockey, basketball, or whatever it was. Uh, they were some of the most enthusiastic fans that uh, that I ever saw. Detroit would be in the same group. Uh, some of your thoughts about the. Uh, the big games and the big crowds and, and how they were conducted. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I will tell you, I, I think the loudest I ever uh, heard Chicago Stadium uh, was during the 19, uh, the All-Star game during the, uh, during the war. You know, it had just started. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot is talked about, you know, uh, Whitney Houston's uh, anthem singing uh, here in Tampa uh, that same right. year. Uh, but the NHL All-Star Game was really where that – I mean, she was kind of riffing off of what happened in, in Chicago. And because the crowd, uh, which is kind of a – it's a bit of a tradition there. Some people don't like it, but they cheer through the anthem. And you couldn't hear the anthem singer at that All-Star Game. They were cheering so loud, and there were so many flags waving. Uh, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just remembering it, guys, having been in that building. That building was shaking. That building was shaking. Uh, at that moment, and um, that's how loud that was. And uh, but you're right. I, I think you know in some places, uh, home field advantage can really be uh, give you an edge. And I think Philadelphia has that edge clearly over Atlanta. Look, Atlanta's a very, a very, uh, how, how, I don't know what the best word is, but a very staid group uh, when it comes to to sports. Uh, certainly baseball. As you said, you know, there, there's some empty seats there tonight. Um, they might be waiting for the World Series to buy their tickets. But, uh, you know, and they'll get loud. They will, but they won't match Philadelphia. They absolutely won't. And the Rays remember going to Philadelphia for the World Series and uh, and what it was like. That is a home crowd advantage. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pump up the, the, the Phillies a bunch, I think, when they get there and they get home. 
and they have a chance to play in front of their own crowd. So that's going to be an edge for them uh, as long as they're playing well. If they're not, they'll they'll hear it as well. But um, it's 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 an edge that the Phillies can take advantage of, I think. Uh, if they can play some defense and get some pitching, uh, that, that it's a real plus for them for sure, guys. Roger, well, I don't think that uh, Atlanta – Got to go, yeah, they're playing great small ball, but I was going to say, going back to Atlanta for a second, Roger, uh, I don't think going back to the early days of Ted Turner when the Braves turned it around and went through, uh, then there was tremendous interest and tremendous enthusiasm in Atlanta. But after they won for so many years, not necessarily the World Series, but won the National League title, uh, the winning didn't seem to phase the people in Atlanta quite as much. And from what you're saying, I'd say that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah, well, I agree, and and I will tell you that they were really into it uh, last year. I was here the whole time, and uh, it was exciting. I mean, uh, we had Fred Khalil on, you know, after they won the World Series, and you know, and and I, I it is definitely a baseball town over professional football. However, then when you get to college football, uh, especially with the uh, uh, you know, especially with Georgia. And and tech draws, you know, pretty well too, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely uh, baseball over professional football. That's it. That's about it. Roy. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree with that. Uh, and I just think I don't know. I, I think to be honest with you guys, I, I think and and Rob, you can speak to this more than I can. I think one of the problems with attendance in Atlanta and the crowds in Atlanta, I, I think the town is you know, nuts for the Braves. They they really are. But they it's are. just hard yeah. to get around Atlanta. You know, it's a, a game that uh, that starts, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, not easy to get to. If it starts at 7 o'clock, not easy to get to. You got to go, you know, if you're south of the, of the city, you got to go all the way north now to, to get there. That could be an hour and a half uh, with the traffic. So uh, I think it's a bit of an issue that uh, they deal with. Of course, I think that's also one of the reasons why they put it up north. Um, you know, because there's more people there now than there are uh, south of the city, or I think there are at least. Yeah, um, yeah but there hey, are. The bottom line is um, these are two really good baseball teams, and the Phillies have a chance to do something special here. Look, they've already unseated the Mets, which I don't think anybody saw coming, especially on the road. And now they've got a chance to unseat the World Series champion. So um, this could be really, uh, really special. And uh, as you've already pointed out, I wouldn't say they stole a victory yesterday, without their best pitcher on the mound, but that you win with your out without your best pitcher, that's a big bonus because, as you say, now you got Zach Wheeler, you got Aaron Nola coming up, so uh, we'll see where it goes. But, um, boy, oh, boy, it's, it's looking good for Philadelphia right now. Roger? Well, you know, just to follow up, Roy, about where they moved to, uh, when they moved in there, they did not have anywhere near the, the uh, shops, uh, the uh, restaurants, the hotels, the condos. And then what they've done is it's been duplicated at the uh, Gwinnett uh, Stripers, the the AAA. They they have the same, uh, not the shops and the restaurants, but they have everything else, condos that look right out over the ballpark. And uh, but the thing is, at Turner Field, it was a pain in the neck to get out of there if you were coming north either either way, northwest or northeast. And now some people complain they don't want to go to uh, to Truist because you've got all the uh, the uh, traffic within that uh, area called the Battery, 
and uh, they want to, you know, have it like in Philadelphia where you have access to 95, you can get on 76, you can go over the bridges to get out of into uh, South Jersey. It's um, so, you know, what is it? It's it's a trade-off. You know, some people like it, some don't. But when the uh, last year and and this year they have gotten really good attendance. But Philadelphia has been waiting so long to get back in the playoffs. It's, uh, this is just a treat, no, no matter what happens. Roger, you said, and Roy, the same thing. Uh, the Phillies really executed uh, the fundamentals of the game quite well, both in St. Louis, something they really didn't do that well all during the season, but they did in St. Louis to win the two games back-to-back. And then in uh, game one of the uh, Brave series, did the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, tonight, uh, Harper got a leadoff double, uh, was moved over to third base, but uh, a ground ball when the infield was up to first base and then uh, a strikeout. So Harper did not get a chance to score, so the fills were shut down uh, in the top of the second inning, which was something that had not been happening to them, uh, you know, both in St. Louis and the early game in Atlanta. So, uh, Roy, I think you're exactly right. Fundamentals uh, are right there. One thing I'd also like to chat with you about, uh, because I did watch the Rangers last night along with the Lightning, uh, quite a game in Madison Square Garden. Boy, you talk about an enthusiastic crowd at the Garden. Uh, hockey is really, uh, it, it's unbelievable to me how they sell out, sell out, sell out. They It takes New York by storm. And uh, it was quite a good game for the first two periods. Uh, third period, not the case. Uh, the lady sort of uh, gave up uh, uh, a few really uh, weak goals. Yeah, you're right. Uh, by, the, by the way, you, I don't know why I had the brain cramp. I, I think I said it a couple of times that the Phillies knocked out the Mets. That's, that's not obviously not true at all, but uh, uh, for, for some reason I had this brain cramp about that. Well, the Mets got uh, knocked, out, they knocked Roy, out, Cardinals. That's what you were thinking Well, they about. did, yeah, they but did it wasn't the Phillies did it. <laughs> Phillies knocked out the Cardinals. But, uh, you know, no, again, about Philadelphia's uh, fundamentals, I mean, even you saw, you know, just now, uh, you're right. Uh, so Bryce Harper gets the double, gets moved over to third, and then even Alec Baum trying to hit the ball the other way. Uh, you know, they just had a, there was no shift against him, so he just hit the right to the first base. But he, he's trying to do something a little bit different there and hit it the other way. Right. At least give right. him a chance to try to you know. So it, it's almost like they're taking a different approach to things now. To me, the key for and, and I'll get into the hockey in just a second, Don. But to me, the key for the Phillies here, they've got to play a little bit better defensively. Tagura's solid. Uh, shortstop's a bit of a, a toss-up there. Third base at Alec Baum, obviously he's had his issues. Uh, Hoskins at first, just adequate at best. Castellanos in right, uh, rather weak, not a great arm. Um, so to me, it, it's a matter of can they play good defense. And I think that's going to really be an issue for them because, look, they've got the home run power uh, to match the Braves, which not very many teams have. I think they've got the pitching to match the Braves, but um, defensively, Braves probably have a bit of an edge that could end up being the uh, uh, the difference maker in this series. But uh, onto the hockey, you're right, Don. I thought that um, the Rangers, you know, being at home, having the crowd, maybe uh, got them energized. But the lighting, I mean, man, uh, you know, outside of Stamkos, Braden Point, uh, maybe a little bit of Hedman, a lot of guys just didn't seem to really be into it last night for the Lightning. It's it, uh, you know, uh, it, for whatever reason, they just they didn't seem really into the game they didn't almost didn't seem ready which uh, was a bit of a surprise for me uh how about the, the shorthanded goals like how about Rangers. the shorthanded goals you don't see that very often yeah no you don't but you know one thing you got to know is uh, Micah Zibanejad is, is as dangerous a player as there is anywhere don't forget this guy had 
five goals in a game last year, and uh, he can he, he is incredible. And uh, you know, again, that was there was one of those goals. I think it was the power play goal actually um, that uh, Zavanajad uh, scored on. The Lightning are going the wrong way. You know, you got two three guys, uh, you know, getting sucked into a a fake pass, and uh, they they went the wrong way and just left him open for the one timer. So. Again, not a good good game for the Lightning, but hey, it's uh, it's one game, it's opening night, it's on the road. Uh, I still think the Lightning will be there at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the season. They'll be right there in the top two, three, four, five for sure in their conference, and uh, probably going to go a long way in the playoffs as well. But you know what, the Rangers could too. And anxious to see how Philadelphia looks under John Tortorella, guys. So I think that's um, obviously he's trying to establish a new culture there. Uh, can he do that and get this team uh, making competitive and even a playoff contender right away? That's that's a big question. Right. Uh, I know you like to get the dinner right on time, but uh, Ira Coffin is all with us right now too. And maybe you have a question or so before we uh, before we dump you out for dinner. Maybe you'd like to pick up something that uh, you uh, Roger and I would think of to ask uh, ask Ira well, Coffin. Ira, you're I all will, with us. I will. I will kick it off with a question to Ira. First of all, Ira, great, great to hear from you again. It's been a while, my friend. Uh, but I, I when, you're, when, you're breaking, when you're breaking down the NHL, all, all's well in the world, Cummings. All's well. <laughs> Thank you, my man. I'm going to ask you to break down a situation with the Bucks, who, uh, who, who might be a little bit short of wide receivers. Uh, they came out this week, and they say they're a passing first offense, which is fine. Um, but uh, Julio Jones looks like he's going to be week to week throughout the course of the season. Ira, do you think they're going to sign Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, to me, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you got to go out and get the guy if he's healthy. But uh, what do you think about that? Roy, you know the answer as well as I do. If, if Brady wants him, he, he, he's in the fold, baby. He's in the fold. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. And, Roy to, Roy, to be honest, Godwin doesn't look 100%. God bless him. He's out no. there trying, but he but he doesn't have that explosiveness right now. Evans is great. Gage, Roy, Gage to me has been a little disappointing, a little bit, um, and they're getting nothing out of tight end. So I, I think they need him, Roy, because um, I can't trust Julio Jones at this point. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Ira. I, I think there's a bit of an issue there. You're right. Uh, the, the injuries at the wide receiver spot are a problem. Uh, the absence, obviously, of uh, Rob Gronkowski is an issue. You take away, uh, you know, uh, the other tight end, and all of a sudden, you're right. They've got issues at tight end, and, and you know, they just they just don't look that good. Kyle Rudolph don't look doesn't look that special. Um, they got some issues one. there, and again, a pass first offense. I'm I'm all in favor of that. That's fine when you got Tom Brady, but you got to have some weapons. No question, Roy Rudolph got one catch this year. Roy one. Um, yeah, and that's why that's why Fournette caught ten balls, right, Roy? That's what Brady does. Um, if he doesn't have great receivers, he, he tosses it to uh, the James White to the world, you know. And Fournette's a pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good target coming out of the backfield. Pretty good. I'll tell you what, Ira, it, they don't get enough credit, and, and I'll leave you with this. But how much? Now it's a different scheme entirely, completely different. But Ira, through the first quarter of the season. This Bucks team has reminded me of the Bucks teams that you and I covered together back in the Tony Dungy era, when it was when basically Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Barber and those guys would say, "You give us 17 points, we'll take care of the rest." I think this defense is good enough that they can do the same thing. What say you, Roy? That's a very good observation, and I'll I'll throw one more thing on top of it. 
they got Brady and say what you want about him, Roy. He's 45. He can't do this. He can't do that. Roy, he, he's thrown one interception, Roy, and he's thrown 207 passes, and he's been picked off once. That helps, Roy. That helps. He is so accurate, which is something we, we haven't seen much of in Tampa from quarterbacks, that's for sure. Uh, but he is, he is so accurate. The ball's on the money all the time. Uh, and you know what? You've got to give the, the offensive line some credit uh, because they've kept the guy, the guy upright. They've kept him clean for the most part. A lot of it has to do with Brady seeing things that uh, other quarterbacks can't see. But, hey, you've got to give that line some credit. They've, uh, they've done their job. Great point, Roy. Can I, and, uh, can I ask the two of you a question before Roy leaves? Uh, yeah, go ahead. This, go ahead. Morning, this morning on uh, the uh, Charlie uh, Weiss's show with Bob Poplin, Sirius XM, the, uh, he, he had an idea, which I think is a great idea, with this controversy uh, like uh, on Sunday about the roughing the passer and then Monday night and everything. He thinks that instead of having a, a former official uh, making that decision, you need to have up in the, uh, in the booth a former coach who may be a retired coach, just like you have the retired officials, and he thinks that it would be a better, uh, a more, more fairer decision because with the officials, you know, it's the good old boy network, so to speak, as he described it. What do you gentlemen think about that idea? Well, I'll go you first go. and leave it for Ira after yeah, that. Ahead, Ira, I, I think what's got to be done there is got to remember, this is football. And I'm all in favor of protecting the quarterback. But when a guy comes in, uh, and he tackles below the waist, and he takes the guy down, and the guy just happens to be on his body, you're naturally going to roll over. I understand that, you know, the same situation happened with Tua Tayavaloa in, in Miami. Um, but, you know, as soon as the Bucks game was over, you saw this exact same play, Cam Jordan for the Saints doing the same thing with Geno Smith. And, you know, it just some quarterbacks are protected, some aren't. I think they've got to let that go. You know what? If a quarterback gets sacked, you got to let the defender, you know, finish out the play. And as long as there's nothing, uh, you know, totally uh, uh, abusive about the, the takedown, you got to let him have his takedown. Uh, I'm with Roy on it. I was at the game Sunday. I, I couldn't believe the call. Monday night, Chris Jones, strip sack, fumble. They call roughing. Um, I don't agree with the uh, putting the coach in the booth. I don't agree with that. Uh, that would be a, a, a bold departure from protocol. Roy, what I think needs to be done is some common sense and for the league not to overreact about something that happened to Tua. Look, Roy, I've seen that Brady play 22 times since Sunday. Roy, his, his helmet never hit the ground. It never hit the Absolutely. ground. Absolutely. Brady? Right. Um, so, Ira, the whole play, the whole play, Ira, was a rollover. I mean, yeah. he never even touched the ground. It wasn't like he was, you know, hammered or his head hit the ground or anything. It was just nothing but a rollover. Exactly. Roy, this league's so popular, I'm not sure anything condenses its popularity, Roy, but between some of the rules and maybe if there's a gambling, some kind of a gambling, um, you know, fiasco with an official, you never know, Roy, uh, but it's going to take a lot to knock the NFL out of the top spot. But I think a lot of people are getting a little turned off right now. 
I think they have a reason to, Ira, and, and I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. My feeling is the NFL has got to do a better job of taking some of the sub, you know, some of the subjective nature out of of the calls that the officials have to make. You know, it, it's just it's way too subjective. You know, one guy sees it as a as a penalty, the next guy sees it as not a penalty. It's not. It's a penalty when Tom Brady gets rolled over. It's not a penalty when Geno Smith gets rolled over. Um, right. To me, you've got you got to go back. Look, I'm all in favor of protecting players and their health, but at the end of the day, it's football. It's a violent game. That's the nature of it. And uh, as long again, as I said before, as long as there's nothing untoward about uh, you know the way the player is taken down, you got to give that defender a takedown because by gosh, he's, he's certainly earned it. Guys, there's only one I question think. left. What, what, what's coming to having for dinner? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll find out in a few, I'll find out in a few minutes, and I'll let you know next week, guys. Smells good. Okay, boys, take care. That's Roy, thank you very much. And Roger, let's take come care, back Roy. to you in Atlanta because you were you were on the scene and have been covering the Falcons now, and, and when Julio really uh, started with the injury. Nag, it really started there, and they finally got rid of two years later. But it's uh, certainly shown up now that he's gotten here in Tampa. So uh, I'll let you direct that question, Ira, about what the two of you think about that. Well, yeah, they, I mean, I got to see Julio at the beginning. Matt Ryan was much younger, as we all know, and it was quite a, uh, uh, you know, it was quite a tandem because you also. Uh, uh, you know, had some other receivers, okay? And you also had uh, back initially, right be, a couple of years before he came, you had Michael Turner and Ovi, right. uh, you know, at fullback, as you remember, uh, Ira. And uh, But Julio, I think it's taken its toll, just like it does on uh, any NFL player. What do you think? No question. I mean, I'm very puzzled about something that, you know, I believe that Bowl said after uh, maybe week three that Julio could have played, but they didn't play him. And then week four, he comes out and catches one ball, and then you don't see him in the second half. And then he doesn't play in week five. I I really don't know what their plan is. I guess maybe they're trying to save him for, for the stretch run. But um, it's a shame because I think – Julio Jones is uh, a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, there's something called average yards receiving per game. Average yards mm-hmm. receiving. He's number one in, in NFL history, Julio Jones. He's number one. Now, he doesn't have 100 touchdowns uh, caught like a lot of guys do. He's a little short in the touchdowns for whatever reason. But he was so good for so long with Atlanta, uh, making every kind of catch. Um, and now Buck fans really haven't seen what he can do, and Godwin doesn't look 100% to me. Um, so thank God they got Evans. Um, but they re- Roy mentioned they're missing Gronkowski. Boy, are they missing him. Not only in the well, red They're doing zone. everything to get him to sign again, Roy. I mean, they, they, they got everybody working <laughs> on him to come back, but he's not listening. You're right. I'm sure Brady talks to him every down, darn week. Every week. Um, and they miss him in the run game because they're not running the ball very well at all. And uh, right. he's been a big part of that over the years. All right, let me ask you this about the uh, transition. What, what do you think now about the transition from the coaching staff 
to the present coaching staff and the way they're they're operating. How do you how do you like that transition and how it's gotten started? Well, from a personal perspective, guys, it, it's been rough because uh, you know I used to ask Gary the question, and uh, all of a sudden you got a great sound bite, maybe a couple of laughs, uh, you know, some reference to having a drink, whiskey, this that. He asked Bowles the same question, and you know you get I uh, got to look at the tape. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot different. Um, but I like Bowles. He's a class act. He's a class act. Um, you know, his first year in New York was very successful. They won 10 games. Then they fell apart. He didn't have a quarterback. So he's going to be judged, you know, on a high marking system, as he should be when you got Tom Brady. Uh, I don't see any reason they're not going to win this division. But I don't think they've played a complete game yet, and I think that bothers Bowles. Last week looked like it would be maybe 28-3, and the next thing you know, they're hanging on for grim life uh, with, with an Atlanta team that doesn't really have much firepower. So let's see, let's see what happens in Pittsburgh. Guys, Tomlin's never had a losing season. This looks like he's going to be his first. He ain't got much. He's got a rookie quarterback. No T.J. Watt. I mean, the Steelers are not competitive right now. That game no, was a joke last week no. against Buffalo. And, you know, I don't want to see the Bucs uh, win this game uh, 24-21. I, I don't want to see it. Roger? Well, I, I don't think you will either. Because, you know, I mean, what are the Steelers in the last game? Would they get three points, one field goal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That game was That game was over in about six minutes. Josh Allen shredded them. Um, and, you know, Pittsburgh fans, they're loyal, absolutely loyal, but they are not used to bad teams. This is a bad Pittsburgh team. you got to wonder, maybe Tomlin wants to go somewhere else after this season. Maybe. We'll see. Well, you know, I can remember, Ira, at uh, Super Bowl when the Steelers were in it, and or the or they had they had been in it the year before, and Cower had a bad year, and I can remember uh, going to uh, Dan Rooney uh, and asking him about uh, his future, Cower's future. He says, "Don't worry about it; everything will be fine." What happens? They go to a Super Bowl like the following year. So the Steelers, when they have a bad season or a non-normal season for the Steelers, they they seem to come back the following year. So only time will tell. Uh, they are definitely missing uh, that franchise quarterback at this point. Um, and I don't think we can minimize this T.J. Watt thing. I mean, the guy's a terror. He's fantastic coming off that edge. you got to double-team him. That opens things up for other Steeler guys. And without them, you know, they don't have any leadership on that side of the ball. Steelers always known for running game and defense. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be a long year in Pittsburgh. Ira, the one thing that's been consistent in all the media, and in fact, even surprisingly to me, even Brady really spent a great deal of time on Monday last week talking about the inferior play in the National Hockey League, I mean, the National Football League. I mean, uh, yeah. you don't hear players, you don't hear players and coaches, and people talk about, I'm talking about the people inside, talk about how bad the game is. Your thoughts about that? You know, I was sitting there, I think it might have been last Thursday. I was sitting there when he said it, 
in, in that interview room. I couldn't believe he said it. Not that I disagree with him, and not that you disagree with him. Man, there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL oh, right now. Absolutely. Oh, man, there's a lot of bad teams. But usually yep. you don't hear somebody, you know, of uh, 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 Brady's pedigree uh, say something like that. Um, I think he could have been talking about the Bucks uh, at various points this season. Uh, they have not put it together. The first three games, the offense was lousy. Defense carried the day. Uh, Kansas City game, the defense was awful. Terrible defense by the Bucks in that game, especially against the run, which you don't figure uh, with the Chiefs. And then uh, last week, you know, that game should have never been in doubt. So, you know, look, the Bucks are three and two. Uh, they're going to be five and two in a couple of weeks, I think, because I don't think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh or Carolina. They're in disarray. Uh, but there's a lot of bad football. I mean, guys, look at the game tomorrow night. The Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. I mean, yeah. if, those, if those announcers drum up interest in that game, they're worth every penny that those guys are paying them. <laughs> You're exactly right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn that game. First of all, I'm not going to prime to begin with. I've seen enough games. I don't, I'm, they're they're going to finally get put me on enough channels that I'm going to not watch the National Football League on Sunday and forget the rest. I mean, this is crazy. Right. Every time you turn around, you got to be on 18 different channels. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, baseball well, is the yeah. same way, guys. Baseball, you're on right. LS1. You're on. Yeah, you're on TBS. I, I don't know what's going on. Ira, what it, like, uh, getting back to the NFL, what did you think about uh, Ron Rivera's comment about Carson Wentz and then having to uh, backtrack on it? I'm also shocked because uh, Rivera is not a rookie coach. He didn't just come out of the college ranks. He's been around. He's been successful uh, with the Panthers. Um, and uh, to blurt that out, you know, and here you've got Carson Wentz and you don't really have anybody to replace him necessarily. Um, and if you went, you know, how are you supposed to feel? Um, look, you know, he's, he's a mediocre quarterback, maybe, maybe even right. less than that. All right. So he's the, so he's the 25th quarterback in a 32 team league. Okay. Um, but you don't want your coach saying it. I, I was shocked. Uh, Rivera let that slip. Um, he owes him an apology. No question. I right, let me well, ask you this about the, uh, the Hall of Fame because that's uh, your bailiwick as well. And and uh, anything on the the Hall of Fame front that you'd like to touch on, either the, from the, the from the seniors or from the from the actual uh, voting itself, anything you'd like to touch on this opportunity? Yeah, yeah, there's something going on, and uh, this is going to be very interesting for you, gentlemen. Um, about a week ago, I get a phone call. I, I wasn't near my phone, so it went to voicemail. I see area code 412, which is Pittsburgh. All right. I think, hey, maybe Mike Tomlin's calling me. He wants some tips on uh, how, to, how, to, how to get his offense going. <laughs> so instead, you know, I go to the voicemail, and, and it's Mel Blunt. It's Mel Blunt. Now, Mel Blunt, there's only one reason he's calling me. That's because he knows I'm a Hall of Fame voter. All right. Right. So Mel Blunt is pushing a candidate. He's in the senior pool, not a modern day. Now, you guys know him very well. Buck fans know him very well. And Mel Blunt is trying to get a campaign going 
to get this guy a gold jacket. And that guy is Doug Williams. Now, I listened to the... Yeah, and I listened to Blunt's uh, message, and he's basically saying, which I think is a is a valid point of view, right? That Doug Williams Doug Williams is a historical figure in the history of the National Football League, and True. when he had that great game against Denver in uh, that Super Bowl, the nineteen eighty seven season, the strike shortened season. Um, and I was at that game. It was in Los Angeles, I, I think. Uh, not much. Uh, San Diego. San Diego. And people forget, Denver was winning that game 10 nothing. They had Elway. 10 nothing. Next thing you know, Washington scored 35 points in the second quarter. 35. Just running back. Nobody had ever heard of the guy. He ran for 200 yards. You never heard from him again. But he had a tremendous day. And so did Doug Williams. Um, and at that time... You know, there was still a lot of skepticism. There was about yep. black quarterbacks. Yeah, correct. Uh, from ownership on down, the general yep. managers, scouts. Uh, you, you get a quarterback, they they switch his position to running back or or, or, or defensive back um, or wide receiver. Um, but uh, you know, a great college quarterback, they didn't project him if he was black to be a, an NFL, you know, outstanding quarterback. And Doug paved the way, uh, and I think Mel's right, uh, for the Donovan McNabs, Randall Cunningham's guys like that. Of course, today, we don't even think about it. We don't even think about color when it comes to quarterbacks. But it wasn't always that way, guys. So, Blunt's trying to get, uh, you know, a little uh, momentum going. I don't blame him. I know Doug Williams very well from his days in Tampa, uh, and then give he was the man uh, a bunch of executives. All right, give the man his due. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, you're not going to look at his past and statistics for his career and say the guy belongs in the NFL. You're not going to do that because uh, you'll be laughed out of the room. Um, he was a great leader, uh, but those Buck teams in the late '70s, that was a defensive team, especially '79. That was a hell of a defense the Bucks had. Uh, Leroy Selman was the uh, defensive player of the year, um, and that was the year that it was the only fourth year of the franchise, and they made the, they made it to the NFC title game, and they lost nine nothing. Imagine nine nothing to the Rams. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, in Tampa. Well, uh, so that, anyway, that Super Bowl, um, Ira, that was in uh, that one you're talking about. That was in '88 in uh, San Diego, right? The, the the season was 87. The game was in 88. Yes. 88. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you what. The uh, We were there uh, for Thursday and Friday night broadcasting Radio Row. There were three stations. We were from Pr- uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, you had the original fan in New York, 1050, with Pete Franklin. Bob Gelb was there, the producer. I know worked with Don for years. And there's some other t- other station. I forget three stations. That was Radio Row in 1988. Wow. Wow. Hey, guys, that was also the year during Super Bowl week. Um, and people claim this is true. I mean, it's hard to believe. But, you know, guys are at the podium, you know, on that Tuesday, and it's media day. And supposedly, I don't remember this, but supposedly, some guy was in front of Doug Williams' podium on Tuesday of that week, 
and said, uh, Mr. Williams, how long have you been a black quarterback? I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was a famous, famous. That was a that's famous a fa- question. That's a famous, famous question. And, oh um, yes. That kind of says it all, right there. That says it all. <laughs> At this, I couldn't have been, uh, <laughs> couldn't have opened it up anymore. That's all. <laughs> but but that you know they that was a very interesting you know uh, just because you know what it was like. You made out a uh, NCR paper, three uh, three copies, original and two. You made it out, and you turned it in, and you got your credentials, which was a pin. And that's what you got for as your uh, credential to cover yeah. the Super Bowl, yeah. right? Man, those were the days. And they used to have a big NFL party on Friday night, commissioner's party. And, um, yeah. and the media used to be invited. You know, right. lobster, lobster, crab, everything. And now, right. uh, when I now when I go to the Super Bowl on Friday night, I I, I go to uh, I go to a local pizza joint. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no more computer bags either. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they used to give out gifts and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, things have changed, guys. Things have changed. I don't go back to Doug for a moment. Uh, go, go, go back to Doug for a moment, uh, yeah. and you detail pretty much the obstacles against his possibly getting in. Uh, do, do you think there's enough pluses to overcome that, even though you can't use his numbers necessarily as a uh, you know a major factor to, to have the vote on it? Is there enough just peripheral things that would be good enough to get him in? Well, here's what the discussion's been, and I think it's interesting. And I don't know if Doug would go along with this. Although, you know, it's like, hey, just get me in the Hall of Fame. Nobody cares how you get in. (laughs) There's some talk, and I discussed it with Blunt uh, over the phone. Maybe you try to get him in as a contributor instead of a player. It's interesting. As a contributor, you know, like Ed Sable. Uh, you know, uh, developed NFL film. He's a contributor. Um, owners are contributors. Um, Doug Williams, as a contributor um, to the game's history, rather than as a quarterback, and as and all of a sudden we're looking at his statistics, you know, and he's got nine touchdown passes and, uh, and 17 interceptions. Um, so we don't want to go that route. I wonder what Doug would think of that. I haven't talked to him about it, but it, it's an interesting little wrinkle, uh, a direction we might want to go. I think it's a great idea. I really do. You know? Um, Roger, we'll let you wrap it up with Ira. Well, I was just yeah, going to say, if, I, th- I if, think if it's a player, great idea. If he's a player, you're going to get some pushback as a player, and they're going to say, no, no, he wasn't a good enough quarterback. He wasn't a good enough quarterback. Um so uh, we'll see how that proceeds. Well, well that's a great that's a great concept. I want I really do. I want I want to congratulate you on the thought. I mean, that, that's what makes it great for you to be in the room because you have a great thought process of how things should should not be done. And and I I congratulate you for that. That's terrific. And I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing all you guys in the room with me in uh, January uh, to uh, lay out the case for Ronde Barber. I need all you guys to have a vote and push him over the top. And there you go. We'll you, be there. You, we'll you be got there. it, Ira. Thank you very much. And we'll have you on again real soon. And uh, it's always a, an education in the National Football League to have you on for 20 minutes. It's, it's always it's a pleasure, an honor, guys. Ira, Thanks. to have you on. Thanks, guys.
Appreciate it. Next, have a great next. Ira, Ira is Ira, Ira is the expert on the NFL. No doubt no about. No question about that. And that voice you hear right there is Mike Schulte, and he's a uh, with the Lions Crest Bowl, which is a brand new bowl uh, name wise in Tampa, Florida, which will get underway on January the second. First of all, uh, <clears throat> we're we're always happy to have Mike Schulte because college football is his life. And uh, the bowl is, is part of his life as well. But thank you very, very much. And I'll tell you, you've had some terrific, terrific games to look at. And uh, the numbers of teams out there that could possibly be involved in your bowl are, are many, many different folds. Yeah, the, well, I'll tell you what, you're, you're right about that. I mean, th- this has been a really, uh, well, every college football season is fun, but this has been a really interesting uh, and, and fun, exciting college football season, I think, so far. Um, I, as I think we talked about in the preseason, you know, there's this year, it just seems like there's a lot of surprises, if you will. Um, some teams we thought would be uh, really good that, that aren't, are struggling a bit. And also quite a few teams that nobody really thought about being as good as they are. Uh, really showing up and so uh, that's made for a very interesting year so far and some really interesting outcomes as we as we you know enter the halfway point of the regular season so uh, yeah, horn frogs are horn frogs are on the uh, horn frogs are on the trail <laughs> <laughs> they are <laughs> I, there's well there's a number of teams like i said they're doing doing really well this year and and uh, that a lot of people didn't expect. I mean, obviously Kansas is one of those, as you mentioned as well. Um, and Tennessee is, you know, firing on all cylinders, uh, you know, getting ready to take on Alabama this week. Both teams undefeated, but both teams ranked in the top six in the country. Um, I mean, there's there's been some really interesting, uh, interesting developments so far this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how all these guys do as they go down the stretch of the second half of the season. Roger, Mike, I have to tell you, uh, I, I need to give a shout out uh, to uh, uh, Otwell Middle School in coming. Uh, l- last night, I went to see them play Liberty. And uh, I tell you what, there was uh, more people at that middle, middle school game than uh, you have in a lot of high school games. But the, the reason I'm doing a shout out, I forget his name. I, I substitute teach and I had some of the players in classes yesterday, and I told them I was going to come to see the game. There was a kid. Now, you got to remember, this is only seventh, eighth grade. He made a one-handed catch going, falling into the end zone, and it was as good as any NFL catch I've ever seen. And all of us uh, in the, in a little group there, oh, my gosh, what a catch. We were just dumbfounded. So I wanted to sh- uh, send a shout out. The, uh, the you know the game at uh, is homecoming in Athens uh, this Saturday, and it's against Vanderbilt. And uh, I think that they have shown a little bit more than they have in the past. I don't think they've won a SEC game in oh I know they haven't in a number of years. But uh, how does that impact the ratings, in your opinion? Uh, when the uh, the dogs are going to play Vanderbilt, and where if you say Alabama is going to play, I'm just throwing it out. Texas A and M. 
that have an effect like uh, on mm-hmm. the uh, voting? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you would think that that the voters, you know, can can you know separate some of those things because you know all the teams, all the big name teams, they play. Well, you know, you know, Alabama, is, you know, is going to play a, a Vanderbilt or somebody, you know, as well, um, and and you know, so you know, that's that's where you got to be careful. I think as a voter you know, going week to week. And, and I've always sort of complained about what, what I call the ladder effect in regards to these polls. Um, you know, part of it is the fact that, you know, you have a, you know, the polls are fun, you know, to argue about, but that's really what they're about. And um, as an example, you have these preseason polls that, that, you know, rank teams, right. Different places. Look at Oklahoma this year, right. They're ranked what, two, three, at the beginning of the season or something like that. And now they've, you know, they just got crushed by someone uh, last week. and Two and, weeks in and, a row. Um, uh, two weeks know, in a row. Games. Right. And it's just, right. Now that I don't even think they're ranked right now, but, you know, and it's just like, but the thing is, it's like where you start the season in the polls really um, has so much influence on where you finish the season. Because what happens is each week, if, as you win or lose or teams above you win or lose, you tend to go up or down in these polls and from a week to week basis. And it's almost like, you know, in reality, if you really wanted to rank these guys more true to where they should be, you probably shouldn't even have a poll a ranking until mid season. So, you, you know, these teams get some games under their belt to sort of see who's, who's, you know, who's good and who's really isn't, you know, may not be that good. And then maybe another poll at the end of the season, you know, because the polls should really take into consideration the entire season not just one week you know game one you know from week to week and 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 one excuse is one of the examples i use is south florida years ago and i went to south florida and i worked at south florida so i you know i love the school and and i want them to do well but there was a time probably 10 years ago where usf was ranked and and that was a big deal and then and then for about four weeks straight i think literally every team that was ranked above them lost and they didn't Mm. And next thing you knew, knew they're they were ranked number two in the country. Well, they weren't the second second best team in the country, but it was just because of over the course of that few weeks, you know, teams ahead of them all lost, so everybody dropped them automatically when they lost, no matter who they lost to or by how much or how little. They you know they dropped down, and the teams that won got to move up, no matter who they played or what their score was. So it's like you know it's what I call that ladder effect or escalator effect. It's like you know, so I, I think I think you know the, the true voters who are, who do a good job, they look at all these things. They look at who you're playing. Just like just like if if, if a team uh, is ranked 15th and they play the number two team, and they and they play a close game, well, if they lose, they shouldn't drop because you know what? They should have lost. They, if the rankings were right, in fact, if they played them really close, they should they should still be able to move up even though they lost. But it rarely sure. happens. So, you know, the polls are just for fun. Um, I, I remember reading an article many years ago where the, the guy who started the AP college football poll back in probably the 40s or something or 30s, the whole reason he started it is to create more interest in the game by creating controversy and, and giving mm-hmm. people something to argue about each week that would create more, more, more uh, attention for the sport. And I think he did a great job because it's exactly what the polls do. But at the end of the day, they're just polls. 
Mike Schulte, our guest, as always. We like Quest Bowl is uh, what we talk about, and we like Quest Bowl relies on the Big Ten as well as the SEC. And this week, uh, you got a great game to look at between Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, this may be the uh, the game of the year, uh, other than Ohio State within the Big Ten. Yeah, the game's actually Penn State, Michigan this week. Ohio State's off this week. Um, I meant yeah, Penn State. Really I'm sorry, I meant Penn State. Uh, Penn State, yeah. Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that that's going to be a really good game uh, this this week. And there's a few games in the Big Ten actually that are going to be really interesting games. Uh, you know, Illinois. Brett Bielema has done a great job in Illinois. Uh, they've had they've they've got some really good good wins under their belt this year. Um, and they're they're fa- facing off against Minnesota. And the winner of that game is going to be the the leader of the West Division in the Big Ten right now. And so that's going to be a really important game as well um, in, in the league. Um, but yeah, there's 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 some very good other games throughout the, the country this this week as well. You know, you're right, Mike. You know about the ratings, uh, the gentleman that came up with that idea. Because look at the way it, it has expanded into uh, college, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, everything, baseball, everything. And, uh, and it did that. But when you think back about college football uh, back in those days, I mean, you had a lot of teams that are now in the Ivy League, like Penn, uh, back in the 40s, was a, uh, a real power in, in football. And I can remember uh, they used to – Don remembers, Frank remembers, like Thanksgiving Day uh, back in the 40s and early 50s, what, it was uh, 65,000 at Franklin Field on Thanksgiving Day, right? And so I, I could see – Yeah, football, college football was, was so different. Well, sports in general was so different. I think that that gentleman should be given tremendous accolades about uh, the effect he's had on – athletics historically period yeah well and again you know he was trying to create interest in the game and and he did and, and you know because it was like you know hey you know uh just like we were just talking about a minute ago right we got tennessee and alabama playing each other well you know alabama's ranked number three and tennessee's ranked number six and so now we got two top top six teams playing each other if it was if there weren't for the rankings you just you know you'd have two good teams but you know, you know, that having those rankings, you know, means something. And then for a team that's play, maybe playing a team uh, that's not, you know, that say a team that's not ranked that's playing a team that is ranked, you know, that becomes a really big deal for them, and it becomes a rallying point for their fans and their and the players, and it's like they want to beat this ranked team and all that stuff. So yeah, it it, it definitely served its purpose in regards to giving people something to sort of debate about, to argue about. Um, and to, you know, to look, you know, to look towards trying to achieve and, and, uh, it's, it's really served its purpose. Like we touched on it, uh, very briefly, obviously, uh, earlier in the season, but we're getting closer and closer to, uh, a ticket, uh, conversations, both the club series and all the things you have group, uh, plans that you have going at the Rock Quest Bowl. And, uh, maybe you just touch on it. I know, uh, what is the end of the month is when you first start to sell tickets, correct? Yeah, yeah, tickets are going on sale to the public um, for the Rally Quest Bowl uh, on November 1st uh, this year. 
So uh, that's when you'll be able to get them through Ticketmaster. Um, and uh, in the meantime, we do have uh, premium ticket packages available through directly through the bowl office. And uh, you can go on the, our website at reliquestbowl.com and, uh, and you can call the bowl office um, and, uh, or, or go online there and, and get information about our, our premium ticket packages, which include um, a package of, of uh, club seats and uh, invitations to VIP events that lead, lean up to the game and throughout the year, um, parking passes and so forth. So those are available now, but but if you just want the you know, basic tickets to the game, they'll be available starting November 1st on Ticketmaster. Roger? Yeah, the, uh, I know you're going to have a, a great uh, bowl game, as you usually do, and uh, even with the new sponsorship. But uh, I, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head, Mike, so many times about uh, how important it is for the new – uh, sponsor company to uh, get involved in as far as sales, recruiting, uh, just growing the company in, in Tampa. I couldn't have a better uh, sponsorship avenue than, than your bowl. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, I, I think that they, they feel the same way, and, I, and they're very excited. We, we've uh, worked with them now for a number of months, since we announced the sponsorship and, and they're just great, great people to work with. They're, they're very uh, tuned in to uh, supporting the community, uh, but also, you know, they're, they're just uh, great individuals and, and they know what they're doing in their, in their industry. One of the top companies in the cybersecurity industry. And uh, they, um, they really are excited about uh, the, the potential of of the bowl game and what it can do as a as a vehicle for them to uh, to gain awareness uh, not only with their uh, their their company and their services uh, but also to uh, uh, get people uh, young people excited about uh, you know getting into the industry of of cybersecurity um, and as a career because that's you know certainly uh, one of the most important industries that are out there right now for all of us, uh, whether it's an individual or a company, uh, whether, you know, whether, you know, um, uh, you know, the privacy uh, concerns and, uh, you know, for, for an individual, but also for companies and uh, being able to secure their, their systems and, and all the things that they do. Um, so it's, it's uh, going to be, I think, a really good uh, vehicle for them uh, to gain awareness and into a, a broader universe of, of college football fans uh, which is a, a, a huge um, a proportion of our country and, and the world, really. So um, we're very excited about working with them. Well, Mike, you, also, Mike. Uh, from a health standpoint, uh, all your activities around this bowl game, and uh, uh, we've talked about it over the years, all the good things that happened from all the way down in Clearwater to Tampa and so forth, uh, all that events will be on a go because it uh, looks like we're finally uh, creeping out of the health scare category yeah we have a full a full slate of events uh as we did last year uh we're we're gonna you know we have all the events uh lined up for this year uh all the fun things for the teams to do for the fans to do while they're in town leading up to the game uh and of course game day on on january 2nd this year um so we're yeah we're we're gearing up for all those things and and really uh, excited about the, the ability to 
to entertain the, the fans as well as the teams when they're here uh, and show them great hospitality uh, from the Tampa Bay area and, and you know, provide some just unbelievable memories for them to, to take home with them. Well, Mike, Mike once again, thank to... you very much. In a couple of weeks down the road, we'll have you back on with us again, and uh, we'll be closer to the ticket situation. We'll be closer to uh, talking about the leading teams in uh, college football. There are so many right now, but as always, thank you very, very much for your contribution. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, and, and um, you know, let's just go have some more fun this weekend see what surprises uh, unfold. Absolutely. Hey, I'm Mike, with you. Before you leave, I just wanted to follow up uh, on one thing. Um, the, uh, there's a school uh, here in Forsyth County. It was constructed four years ago called the Alliance um, Academy for Innovation. They have, I subbed there for the first time last Thursday, they have an entire section in that school uh, instructing high school students on cyber security. And, uh, you know, I'm going to wow. pass uh, along uh, information about the, your sponsor's uh, company uh, to uh, the folks over there uh, because, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see how many schools uh, are offering that. Uh, and this is a lottery uh, school, um, and I think they have 350 in each uh, graduating class. But I saw it last week. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. uh, how big the area was on cybersecurity. Yeah, it, it, it's becoming obviously a very, very important and, and very popular area. And I know, I know, ReliQuest supports the program out at the University of South Florida here in Tampa. Um, you know that that uh, works with that as well, but of course at the college level. But that, that's tremendous to hear that uh, that they're already starting kids looking into this career path in high school because uh, it is a very critical um, you know in, industry to be a part of and and uh, and one that uh, we all need to make sure that we uh, you know we we're aware of that we're in tune. Exactly. Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be at the Florida State Clemson game this weekend. So I was oh, just, I'm going up to the Florida State Clemson game this weekend. My daughter's up at Florida State, and we we always go up uh, one week a year to to visit her and go to a game, and and so we picked a good one this year. So that's going to be uh, exciting. I'll, I'll I'll have a good report for you when I come back. Oh, great! great. Thank, thank you very much, trip. Mike. Have a great trip. I say hello to your daughter. Keep everything going up there, and we'll see what Clemson does. A little surprising after that 3-3 tie they had with Boston College at halftime before they really came on. So it's interesting to follow Clemson again. But thanks again. Thank you very much, Mike. Always a pleasure. And let's switch gears right now. Mike Zimzak is ready to go down to Washington, D.C. And, Mike, at the top of the show, uh, we talked a little about your coach and some of his comments about his quarterback. And uh, a lot of people think maybe that was a little controversial and, and not something that the coach would normally say. What your your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, it was definitely a uh, interesting press conference from Ron Rivera when he was asked uh, what was the separation in between the other teams in the NFC East and the Commanders right now. He, before they even got the question out, he said quarterback, and it wasn't that he said it once, he said it like three times. And a lot of people were wondering, is this just a case of he, him saying the quiet part out loud? 
uh, what was the point that he was going to was he trying to make? Uh, he tried to clarify the conference the uh, comments uh, time, saying that they hadn't really, over the course of the last three years, because of the situation, had any continuity, uh, and hadn't had the ability to bring a quarterback in that they wanted were able to build around. But he was the one who, in his introductory press conference for um, Carson Wentz, said. They finally had a quarterback they felt like they could bring um, that they could build around. So he came out uh, to yesterday uh, because it was a short week, and so Tuesday wasn't a day off, and so there was press availability. And he said that, you know, it was his fault. He had a bad day, that he should have said that. He addressed the team beforehand and told them that he messed up and that he said some things that he wasn't supposed to and that he knew better, and he said that he met personally with Carson, and, and they cleared the air. The commanders as a whole organization have really made it a point to put the arm around Carson Wentz from the time they got him. They felt like, you know, he wasn't a guy who responded very well to negative feedback. He was more the type that needed the arm around the shoulder and reassurance and so, and it started with Ron Rivera, and has gone through the whole entire organization. So, for him to make that sort of a misstep in the manner in which he did, you know, I think it was a little bit born out of frustration. Uh, it's been a really tough start to the season for them. Uh, the team is where he or they would like to be, and I get the feeling that in this coach-centric organization where Ron is in charge of the entire football operation, uh, pretty much in everything except title, uh, he's feeling some pressure. Roger? Well, yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, but I'll tell you, getting back to Wentz, Mike, as you know, we all know, uh, he's the, he has ruined relationships with coaches. I mean, Frank Reich made the deal to get him uh, to uh, Indianapolis, and he couldn't wait to get him out of there along with the owner, uh, because uh, he causes trouble in the clubhouses or in the locker rooms and uh, with the coaches. Look, at he got Doug Peterson fired. So, uh, you know, his reputation uh, precedes him, and he is very soft about taking criticism. Uh, look at the way he was when they uh, drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. In Part of what they did that was going off of what you just said, Roger, feeling like if they put their arm around the shoulder, they get they made a big deal of announcing that he was QB1 when he came in, that there wasn't going to be a quarterback competition. They spoke to him before they drafted Sam Howell to let them know what the plans were and that this wasn't a reflection on him. Uh, they got his okay. Uh, they've been very, very careful about criticizing him publicly. Uh, they jumped to his defense. There was a whole entire tweet storm with the president of, of uh, the organization, Jason Wright, after Carson was asked what a lot of people thought was a pretty innocuous con um, question in a preseason uh, interview where the interviewer asked him, you know, you were traded from the Eagles, you're traded from – the is this your last shot and Jason Wright 
jumped through his defense, criticized the interviewer and everything. So they really tried to go out of their way to, to build that security with him. But at the same time, you know, the results just have not been there on the field. They're, they're a 1-14. Uh, the offense is not uh, uh, anywhere near as effective. When you look at uh, what they're doing, you know, yeah, he's completing pretty close to his career average. He's uh, a career about – he's a career 62% passer. That's where he is right now. Um, he's gained, he's passed for over 300 yards in three of the four, five games that they played. But he's, and he's thrown 10 touchdowns, but he's also thrown six interceptions. And in the two games where he faced really tough defenses in Dallas and Philadelphia, he was under 300 yards, closer to 200. Uh, he was 211 with, against the Eagles and 170 against the Cowboys, and they just have not been able to move the ball. And then you saw it again last week. You've got three shots from about the two-yard line with an opportunity to win the game, uh, throws two really bad passes on first and second down, and a goal-line interception to close it out on third. Mike, the interesting thing to me is that uh, we talked about this in the first half hour, with Ira Kaufman and uh, and the fact Roy. is that Brady came out, yeah, and Roy Brady came out with the comment about how bad football is right now, and I have to agree with him. I think football is bad right now, but I think also that the one thing that happened in Washington is what's happening around the league. If you don't have a great quarterback, you don't win. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, they've now gone. They, they've got three different quarterbacks in Washington. None of them have done anything. Uh, I mean, look around. Rule just got fired in uh, in, in uh, Carolina. The reason being, he's gone to three different quarterbacks, made trades, signed free agents, did everything, but he got mediocre talent, and he can't win. And that's what's happening in Washington. Ron's got a quarterback. He's made a lot of moves at quarterback, but none of them are, are, are upper echelon. They're all middle of the road. They're six and six quarterbacks. They're eight day quarterbacks. That's what they are. You're exactly right. It's such a quarterback-driven league that it's become probably the most important position in sports. I can't think of any other position in all the sports that carries as much importance to the success and failure of a team as quarterback does in the NFL. And the problem is if you don't draft one and get one and develop one, you're left picking up the scraps and teams don't get rid of quarterbacks that they feel confident in. Roger? Well, look, they had uh, RG3 and they had Cousins, right, at the same mm-hmm. time. They drafted them <laughs> at the same draft. And uh, and Cousins is doing fine at uh, Minnesota. And RG3 is doing fine as a Fox analyst after uh, his, uh, his many injuries. So, yeah. And that was the classic – and that was just organizational mishandling. Um, they got RG3 in here. The owner was able to calm down and got buddy-buddy with RG3 who made – and made RG3 feel like he was more important than the coach, 
that affected how RG3 prepped, and then they totally botched the handling of the Kirk Cousins situation. I was actually on the air with – I started on the air with you guys around the time that Kirk Cousins got the starting job, and you asked me about it, and I said back then, in his two seasons – this two seasons as a starter here, I said the worst thing that could happen to him would be that he was mediocre, that the team was mediocre. He was okay, but the team was mediocre. And in both seasons, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, He was good. He put up Pro Bowl numbers. They did not feel as though he was the guy that would get them to the next level. And they ended up letting him go after they franchised him twice, and they found out the hard way how hard it is to find quality talent in that position. Because since then, what, they've gone through Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and Taylor Heineke, and now we're on to Carson Wentz. That just reinforces my point. Go ahead, Roger. I was going to say, getting back to uh, you know Don's point about what uh, Tom Brady said, I'll give you another example. Example, Kyler Murray. The Cardinals very well could have beaten the Eagles on Sunday. Okay? He, when he slid, he slid down a lot yard short. And, you know, there's still that speculation that in that contract, it had that he would have to uh, uh, study uh, the uh, playbook, you know, and film like a, a minimum of four hours a day or a week extra or whatever. And, uh, and there is the first example. Now there's uh, some saying that he, I guess he was a great baseball player in college, that that's what he really should be playing, not football. So there's that's a bad football again, you know, with uh, uh, the Cardinals. You know, I, I, I don't, as much as I put the, the, the situation with the Cardinals on Kyler on that last play, I mean, he really was running around trying to do whatever he could. Uh, there are We have the benefits of the line on the field. He doesn't have that. He slid it where he thought it was, uh, he, you know, the optics. What I don't understand is why the coaching staff didn't have a plan to spike the ball when he got up and get another playoff. Um, they ended that, up that's running a good down question, time. Mike. Right. That's and a good so question. I put that as much on the coaching staff as I do on Kyler because they just didn't know what to do when he got up if he hadn't gotten the first down and the clock stopped. So the clock is winding, and all of a sudden they're caught flat-footed. So, you know, I, I, I don't I – don't, you know, he's working with – what he has to work with out there and the Cardinals, you know, I know they got Hollywood Brown because he, he was their best. He was uh, Tyler's best friend in, in college. And, you know, he definitely, at least on that one touchdown pass showed why they picked him up. Uh, they'll get Deandre Hopkins back at some point and uh, he can be an effective weapon. But right now Kyler, Kyler's not working with, a ton out there. So I can't fault him, but even the fact that here's a guy who we're not sure if he's Super Bowl caliber or what caliber quarterback is monster deal because they know that the chances of landing anything like that are slim to none. When you look at just how many teams there are in the NFL who just do not have what we would consider 
quality starting quarterback play. These two fellows that are a better position to comment on because I'm, you know, here in Sarasota, and unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of, uh, if I were home in New Jersey, obviously, I would see the Eagles game, uh, but did not have the luxury of uh, of seeing the Eagles this week, Roger. So uh, you two are in a much better uh, position to make comments on that game because I didn't see it. Well, I didn't see it either other than the highlights and then uh, the constant uh, chatter about it from, uh, like, all uh, areas, NFL radio, uh, WIP, uh, and then uh, on NFL highlights. Uh, And I don't know whether – did you see the whole game, Mike? I I saw parts of it. um, You know, like I said, I I don't put as much of that – the loss or the current performance of the uh, Cardinals on Kyler Murray. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say he doesn't isn't to blame at all. Uh, I think that a lot of that goes on Cliff Kingsbury, who I didn't think he was an NFL caliber coach when he got hired. Um, and I think that more and more people are starting to figure out what it is that he does and how he defense out there. I just don't think that that's necessarily a team to win that's built to win. I just think they have a quarterback and basically it's run around and do what you can and hope that you score enough points for us to win. Right, yeah, let's get to your bailiwick soccer because uh, MLS, uh, the, some of the seedings were established over the weekend and maybe you'd like to touch on that a little bit too before our time runs out. Well, yeah, the, Philadelphia Union unfortunately just missed out on winning the Supporter Shield and the number one seed in the playoffs throughout the uh, the, the playoffs. Uh, they tied at the end of the season on 67 points with LAFC, and despite the fact that they had fewer losses and a much superior goal difference, uh, LAFC gets it because they had one more win. Um, you know, a great season by the union, anytime you can go through an entire season and average about two points a game, which is what they did, that's a phenomenal season. Their goal difference and the way that they were scoring, uh, the, their defense, they had one the best defensive record, and they scored uh, amongst the most goals. So just a phenomenal team. They're well-primed. They're going to get a bye uh, in, before the playoffs. I think that uh, if they uh, – I believe that they, they, they're waiting on the winner of the uh, Red Bulls matchup. Um, not many surprises at the end of the season in terms of seeding. We kind of saw where those teams were. I think the, the biggest surprise throughout the season for me was uh, Montreal, who finished second in the East, uh, particularly coming. I did not know, and I still don't really know what they do well and versus what they do poorly, other than they just figure out how to win. Uh, I was not expecting Austin FC to be as good as they were, and they finished second in the West. Uh, they're going to be a really tough team to knock out. Uh, unfortunately, Roger, Atlanta, the playoff push came up a little bit short. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think there are going to be some questions in Atlanta directed at Carlos Bocanegra. Uh, he won the power struggle, especially over top of Martino, to keep that job. But you know, the performances, they backed him with all the money. The performances and the player recruitment just hasn't quite been there. He hasn't 
been able to get the right mix of players. Now, granted, they sustained some catastrophic injuries this year that would have hampered a lot of teams, but uh, he's, there are going to be some questions asked about how they can get that project back on track as well. And then um, BC United finished up in the MLS cellar. Uh, Wayne Rooney just not able to lift their uh, the fortunes of D.C. after his return. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, A, whether he stays on for next year. His stock, even despite this, is still pretty high. And I feel like if there's another job in England that comes available, uh, he may very well take it and leave. Things. I was just uh, trying to pull up the, uh, the scores of, in the Phillies uh, Braves game. It's nothing, nothing. Wheeler, I think, uh, was so has only had uh, 50 pitches in five innings. Boy, that's uh, that's a terrific. Uh, it's top, top of the top of the six right now. Yeah, yeah. It, and, this uh, is what this defines pitcher stool, gentlemen. Oh, it does. Yeah, and we saw that also in the. Uh, uh, the wild card, uh, you know, with uh, the, the pitcher. Well, that one game, but uh, yeah, you know, you're gonna if, when you have two great pitchers, that's all you're looking for is uh, a great outing, and that's what we're getting uh, tonight. They, um, you know, let's get back to the United. Um, you think they have to make some uh, wholesale changes? Do you think that it will start at the top in their management? Mike, I, again, I don't know that they, they're going to make wholesale changes. I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, Carlos Bocanegra needs to go. Uh, they did have some really seriously bad luck with injuries, uh, losing Brad Rizal and losing Miles Robinson to a, uh, a, a torn Achilles. I do think, though, that he's going to need to answer, and so maybe – the seat under him, I believe three consecutive seasons missing the playoffs, has got to be getting a little bit warm. You've changed coaches. Uh, you've changed players. The only thing left is to change the guy who's at the top of your organization and who's in charge of player recruitment. And we saw with the Philadelphia Union what getting the right person or the right combination of people into that position can do uh you know they had the they had when they moved on and they eventually got Ernst Tanner into that position he changed the way the organization worked put the emphasis on player development youth development they've developed one of the best academies in all of MLS um they're able to get good players that they can develop and then sell on for a profit and the results have been that they've been at the top of the league for for the, at least the last three years, they've been, you know, one, two, three in the league. And last year, making it all the way to the Eastern Co- Conference Finals and hopefully an even deeper run this year. Mike, thank you very much. Uh, this segment's uh, time is up, and Doug's waiting in the wings out there, our golf uh, aficionado. Uh, but always great to talk football, always great to talk about the <clears throat> MLS with you and uh, – We'll catch up with you again next week. Have we'll a great do. week, Mike. We'll do. Thank you. All right, let's jump over now to uh, Doug Hamilton, who's uh, on the line right now down there in Baltimore, Washington. And uh, one thing we can say is Harbaugh 
learned his lesson, kicked the field goal at the end of the game, and won a game this weekend at home. So, Doug, you got to be a happy man. Well, I mean, you know, to uh, – Analytics didn't about, take over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, you hear a lot about that uh, when you watch these football games. Um, you know, the Raiders game when they went for two against Kansas City, and they were talking about analytics, and that was the right play. And, you know, I mean, look, I mean, there, there have been – uh, so many good football coaches over the course of time. You know, you can look back to, you know, gosh, John Madden. I mean, Parcells. I mean, all, all these different guys. I mean, it, they didn't have analytics. You know, they were just like, okay, well, we need one point to tie the game. We're going to kick the extra point, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it just it's like you're you're killing an ant with a sledgehammer here in terms of trying to figure out like, well, what what do you think the percentages say? You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, well, what does the scoreboard say? The scoreboard says you need a point, so let's kick it. So, I don't know. I don't get too caught up in that. I mean, well, know, this, you know, the sorry part to me is that they start off right away. First team scores, and right away now they put the odds up on on your team winning. You know, if you bet that afternoon, your team winning or losing the bet. I mean, what in the world is coming? I mean, well, it's unbelievable. You know, it's it's the same thing. Like, you you want to incorporate golf into this section. Okay, well, you know, for how many years did we play golf where we had, like, irrigation markers that said you were 150 yards or we had 150-yard bushes or we had, you right. know, markers in, in the fairway that told you how far we, you know, you had color-coded flags, you know, whatever. You know, now, now you have GPS devices, you have watches, you have computer screens, you have, you know, the handheld uh, laser ranger finders. You know, you have all these different things. And you're like, okay, well, you know, I mean, 150 yards is still 150 yards. I mean, you want to hit like a, you know, uh, a soft eight iron in there? You want to hit like a, you know, a normal stock nine iron? I mean, what, what do you want to hit there? I mean, you know, you don't need some you know, algorithm to tell you, like, what to do. It's still a human execution of some sort of a fundamental, right? So, um, you know, it's crazy. I don't know. I'm somewhere torn between the world of technology and that that exists in terms of the human fundamentals. So um, it was nice to see them get a win. I mean, I, I, I just I have a general disdain for Cincinnati. I mean, um, you know, they, they handled the Ravens pretty good last year twice. Um, obviously, the, you know, quiet, quote-unquote, confidence of Joe Burrow, which, you know, I would interpret as a cocky little, you know, you know, fill in the blank. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I think the Ravens played good football. They, they, they did their normal kind of let's get out to a lead and then kind of just hang on to it. Um, but, yeah, he did, uh, did the right thing, I think, by kicking some of the field goals. And, and it was a big division win because I think um, – you know, Pittsburgh's just not particularly played well this year. And, and um, you know, regardless of whether they're 3-2 and two or, you know, they could be 5-0 and oh at this point. Um, but somebody has to win that division and then you know, obviously represent to the playoffs. So as long as they win um, and other teams lose, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Roger, before I go to you, Phillies have two hits. Braves have one. They're playing at the bottom of the sixth inning right now, and it's nothing-nothing. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, the uh, Dodgers uh, Padres are one-one. Uh, it's the uh, top of the second, and uh, Padres have some runners on against Kershaw. The um, Doug, what has uh, been said locally about the 
uh, the Orioles, I think, quote unquote, successful season. Uh, they yeah. really, I think, they turned it around. They've uh, over the uh, bridge, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody happy, and do they see that they, uh, the Orioles will be building on this, and they mm-hmm. can even uh, compete and, and get into the playoffs next year? Yeah, I think um, I think stemming from uh, Michael Elias all the way down, I think that they're recognizing the fact that um, the American League East is a very difficult division to play in. I mean, obviously, when you have the Yankees and the Red Sox, who have, you know, for matters of discussion, they have unlimited payroll. Um, you know, you look at obviously Tampa Bay, who uh, doesn't quite have that same luxury, but it does a really nice job with uh, with their organization in terms of fielding a, a really competitive team. They're a playoff team, and they they do very well with their um, minor league systems. I think you have the Blue Jays, who obviously made the playoffs this year, so. Very difficult division, but I think that stemming again from Michael Elias on down, I think that the the fight, quote-unquote, is on with regard to the Orioles being a presence in that division. Um, I think it remains to be seen what they do in the offseason regarding free agents and, um, you know, obviously some of their own uh, roster 40-man kind of rule five. They've always been a player in – they're they're constantly looking for you know free agents and and waiver wire acquisitions. So, um, you know I think that there's a plan in place. I think that uh, you'll wind up seeing some more um, prospects in, in uh, Jordan Westberg, Grayson Rodriguez. Um, you know maybe some other guys that get an invitation to spring training to get a chance to prove themselves and and, and make this team. I think that they have some question marks. Um, as any team would going into the off season with uh, Rugnet Odor. Is he going to be a part of this squad? Is Robinson Torino's going to be a part of this squad from a catcher standpoint? Um, you know, pitching staff-wise, are we going to re-sign Jordan Lyles? Is Spencer Watkins going to be a part of that? Um, you know, do we have enough bullpen arms? Um, Jesus Aguilar, the guy they picked up uh, to, to kind of, you know, be a, a DH, is, is, is he going to be on the 40-man roster? Um you know, what positions are people going to play? Gunnar Henderson, namely one. Are they going to keep Mateo at shortstop? Um, Urias, is he going to be your second baseman? Are they going to, you know, do different things, you know, around the board with some of those guys? So, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement, you know, if you're an Orioles fan because you haven't seen a winning season in, what, five years. Now all of a sudden you do, and there's help on the way. So, you know, can they spend some free agent dollars? Um you know, maybe get a couple pieces maybe they need to, um, you know, John Means is another one. He came off with Tommy John. Um, is he going to be a part of the rotation this coming year? Um, and there's a lot of question marks, but I think there's more optimism than not. Doug, another thing that uh, has been really prevalent, uh, bringing these young guys up. I mean, they're not afraid to bring them up, even though they, you know, they rotate the roster every now and then in terms of maybe mm-hmm. keeping them for a week or two weeks or whatever. But uh, you know they're they're giving some force feeding to some of these younger players to give them every every opportunity to prove they belong there. Sure. Yeah, I mean it was a really good situation. Um, I think you had, you know, obviously Adley Rushman I think was physically ready, uh, not just in health but in skill. Um, gosh, he played a really good year. Um, had um, what thirty four doubles or whatever it was. I mean I think he proved himself behind the plate. I think that 
you know, initially bringing up Gunnar, Gunnar Henderson was kind of one of those, yeah, I think he's ready, but let's hope he is. And he certainly was. Um, you know, I think that um, D.O. Hall had some issues in the minor leagues with, with walks and command and, and, and getting some of his pitches over the plate. I think he um, played a, a nice role in the bullpen, um, you know, for what he pitched. I think um, – Kyle Stowers took advantage of some of his at-bats in terms of um, you know, hit a home run that, that tied a game up or, or won a game. I think it was against uh, the White Sox. I think the, the people that they brought up, I think, you know, shined, if you will, uh, with their opportunities. And I think that, you know, with another spring training and another hopeful year this year with um, getting some of those reps and at-bats, um, adding some different pieces to that, I think, I think the – they're headed in the right direction. And, and one thing to mention, too, you've got the Arizona Fall League where, where a lot of uh, the prospects and, and minor leaguers for the Orioles, Heston Kerstad was one that uh, are headed to that to, to kind of just you know continue playing baseball. And I think that's super important for their development. And, um, yeah, come, uh, what, February, I think uh, we'll, we'll be definitely ready for uh, some Orioles baseball here in Baltimore and, and looking back at a really good, super good season um, heading into um, – a little bit of optimism for the season coming up. Roger? Yeah, I would say that uh, Mancini uh, hasn't done much uh, since he left the Orioles uh, when I looked at uh, his statistics mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, I think, initially made a um, a pretty instant impact, I think, with that team and, and had some big hits. Um, but I think, by and large, I think Houston is so good. Um, I mean, their pitching staff is unparalleled, I think, across uh, the major leagues, and I think that they have so many good players on that team. that They're pretty stacked. Um, you know, I think that you could split hairs and say that Mancini um, maybe maybe didn't play as well as a free, uh, you know, a trade acquisition should, but, you know, he, he's a really good hitter. Um, you're, you're, you're coming to a new place. You're coming into some new teammates. You're you're seeing some different things. So um, I think the acquisition they made was a very good one for their baseball team. Um, you know, I think, I think he still has some time left to, uh, to shine. Um, they got a professional hitter in terms of, uh, you know, what, the, what you can look at statistically over the years, he's been a major leaguer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was a shame. And I know that it's, it's business as usual when it comes to, uh, trading people that you can get something for, um, you know, but I think both teams probably help themselves. Well, the, uh, the Astros proved that as I said it yesterday, is the depth <laughs> of their ball club and how they can go back Gosh. from nowhere. And you just, know, that's uh, what, take a, go ahead. That's what post postseason baseball. Gosh, you know, I, on one hand, it's, it's kind of one of those, like, you know, I'm, the Orioles are done. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, Will I root for somebody else? Eh, probably not. I mean, I root for good baseball, but um, you know that the way that played itself out. Gosh, you know, postseason baseball is just so stinking exciting, and you know, you you couldn't write a script any better than having that scenario um, come into play. Where you know, as you remember, the the Mariners got into the playoffs because the, the Blue Jays blew, you know, a, was it eight one lead? Um, yeah, they've you know. You know, now you it's on the the shoes on the other foot and uh, biggest lead ever, biggest lead ever give up at a playoff game. Well, 
Well, daggone, the, the eighth inning, the, the Mariners brought uh, that guy Munoz in. He was throwing 102, and you think, gosh, how in the world do you even see that? So um, for them to go into the ninth inning, bring their closer in, which that, their, their, their closer was, um, I would say he was an average at, at best closer with regard to the stuff he had. And, you know, they, they put Robbie Ray out there, who's who's typically one of their starters, to face a left-handed hitter, and he just missed his spot there. And that guy, Alvarez, you know, Ooh. lost that lost that baseball. It was um, – Upper deck. A story, yeah, storybook ending for those guys. Good for them. I mean, that's got to be a tremendous blow for a baseball team into the playoffs to lose in that fashion and go back into that clubhouse and figure out, you know, kind of what the heck happened there and then come back out and – and do it again, um, you know. So yeah, it was fun to watch though. Roger, you know Ronald Acuna uh, Jr. Uh, got hit uh, on the inside. I think it it hit like his funny bone. You know how that hurts. And yeah. uh, and, and but he's uh, at first base. Uh, but it also uh, he was on the ground, and I think it also gave the team a little bit of a uh, break, and maybe had a an effect on uh, uh, on Wheeler, uh, but uh, he's he's got the, uh, Swanson up and 3-1 count, two outs in the uh, bottom of the sixth, and, of course, you got Acuna on uh, first base. But I, I was thinking, you know, you felt sorry. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, and it was on the inside of his uh, elbow, uh, you know, like where it's more flush, you know, more got more uh, – cushions so to speak so uh but i mean if it couldn't have been too bad or he would not have been uh able to continue to play in at first base so yeah, but I, you're I, right I, that's playoff baseball yeah he went david he went down it was an inside pitch and just caught him and uh it was really hard to tell roger look at the replay exactly you know where it did hit it whether it hit him in the hand or whether it hit him uh, but as you said, he was sort of uh, – they, they came out, the trainers go out and work with him, and he went to first base. So, obviously, hmm. well, we got to walk for Swanson now, too. So, we got runners on first and second and two out for Wheeler. But, uh, you know, the, the Phillies are playing another great game. Wheeler's pitching another good game. He, hmm. <clears throat> he was great coming down the home stretch. He was great in the St. Louis series. And now, in hmm. game two of this series, he's putting together another uh, – once he given up two hits and uh, – there is the uh, the bottom of the sixth inning, so he's having another masterful game. Yeah, get the third out in the uh, sixth, and he's only had sixty five pitches. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. it is it it is a a masterpiece again, and uh, he's worth every uh, penny. And of course, they said after yesterday's catch by uh, uh, Nick Castelleros that. Uh, He's he's worth all the money now too because he wasn't worth the money during the regular season. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, the one thing about Castellanos yesterday was that I thought they really made a great point. Uh, the, I forget. I, I I don't know who the announcers were. Quite honestly, they were working the game, but uh, whoever the analyst was in the game made a great point. If Castellanos misses that ball, that ball's a triple. And, oh, it uh, is. You got a, oh, yeah. And you you got a game that's going to be tied up. But you're right. He made a. You don't see him make many great catches, but that was a 
wasn't a great catch, but it was a darn good catch to save the game. Well, you know, Don, we were talking about this uh, tonight, Frank and I. The uh, uh, the fellow that's doing the play-by-play is the Dodgers TV announcer uh, that went to Fox and uh, for for uh, baseball. I think Kevin Burkhart should have done should do baseball too. He's a great baseball announcer. Just like Joe Buck, and I'm surprised. Uh, and then it's John Sh- uh, Shoreholtz that's uh, doing the color, but or the analyst. But I think that uh, Joe. I think ESPN made a mistake by not utilizing Joe Buck to do baseball. Uh, you know, for the uh, wild card, just like uh, Fox used to. Well, well, most of the articles I've read, and I don't know how accurate they are, but said that he does not want to do baseball. And it was his. Well, that's, then that's probably the reason. Yeah. Yeah, it was his decision of, that he doesn't want to do baseball right now. Well, not not only that, Roger, but ESPN has taken a, a shift in liberalism when they come to placing people in places to represent different demographics. You know, they don't always put their best, you know, broadcasters and announcers in. Going to have the first on. run of a game here. First run yep. of a game. I'll tell you, we talk about Freeman out there with L.A., and he came in, uh, you know, with, with the batting title almost uh, winning it in the, in the National League uh, over uh, Jeff with, with the Mets. Coyote lost out by a point. But uh, this young man also that they picked up in that trade, he's played, he played very well during the season. He's played very well in the playoffs so far. And I don't know, boy, that ball Hoskins should have. I think he should at least knock that ball down. He should down. have had it. You're right. Yeah. Right oh, man. Club. Yeah, well, right under his gear. Got to get out and knock that ball down. Well, they Go down say the, the Braves. Braves first. are up one nothing. Yeah, they say the the butcher and, uh, at first as far as uh, defense goes. Yeah, Freddie Freeman would have had that. You know, Olsen would have had it. Yeah, well, it's easy for us, but, but I, it looked it looked to me on television as though he should have at least knocked the ball down. I don't. I don't well, have any sound, so I don't, I don't know what they're saying about it. I don't it, but, have it either. But I'll tell you yeah. what, Don, uh, I noticed you saw that uh, uh, Swanson walked. Uh, I'm a couple of bit, uh, seconds behind you. So uh, that's amazing that you're getting Fox and I'm getting Fox direct, but I'm well, behind you. Fellas, we're out of time. We'll have to talk about it next week. Doug, I'll tell you. See, a lot of mm-hmm. baseball conversation, a lot of playoff conversation, and a lot yeah. of Raven conversation. Thank you very much. As always, we'll get to the golf one of these days. Yes. Take care, partner. It's the off season. Yeah, Have a great season. week, Let's Doug. Go. Take care. Sure. Frank, as always, God bless. Wonderful. To all yours, Thank Frank. You for everything. Thank you, Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs go to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men women of the United States Armed Forces, the men women police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. Everybody's not a bad guy. There's a lot of good guys out there that are working with us. So please uh, pay attention to what they have to say and let them know that you know they're there. These programs are also dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant <coughs> Thomas Bager, <coughs> Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler. Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Patrolman and Officer Crispin Lake, Lakeland PD. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Highway, uh, Florida Highway Patrol. Captain Liz Mack, Paterno, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Captain Lieutenant Artic Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Terry Fikes, Wilmington Fire Department, Chief Al Hope, Longboat Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
dispatched in Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.